Max Gorlin, Melbourne Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. This is Nat Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club. Trent Cochin from the Richmond Footy Club. Scott Benderbury from the Collingwood Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Patrick Cooch from the Carlton Footy Club. It's Rory Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows. This is Tom Mitchell from the Hawthorne Footy Club, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Hey, friends, you got MJ from the Coaches Panel. Hope you're doing well, and we are starting to make some really good headway into this year's 50 Most Relevant, where I count you down who I believe are the most relevant fantasy footballers across all of the formats. Look, it pains my heart to have this guy so low in the 50 most relevant. I think I had him in pretty close to the top 10 last year. But at number 46, Josh Kelly is who we are talking about. He had a quiet start. We'll get to that. But then he delivered his usual high output for the better part of three quarters of 2021. Uh, we got him on the episode yesterday. Thought we'd sneak him back for another fellow co-founder of the Coaches Panel. Rids is back. Hello, mate. How are you? Hey, how you going, mate? And your boy. He's one of my boys and he has been for a long time. And I know you're, you've been a big advocate for Josh Kelly pretty much since his real breakout year of 2017, if not before. Um, I, I know you've been a big fan of Josh, and so excited to talk about him with you on this episode. Still just the 26 years of age. It feels like he's been playing a lot longer than that, but the GWS Giants midfielder has been an incredible fantasy stalwart for coaches for the better part of the past five to six seasons. Uh, his top score last year in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team, well, that was a 152 against the eventual Wooden Spooners in North Melbourne, while his top score was a 148 in super coach against the tigers neither of those are career high scores though you got to go back to 2018 across the formats to get that it was a 166 against the gold coast suns in afl fantasy and dream team and he is a part of the 200 club in super coach it was a 205 against the blues um, and it was a sensational game He's priced relatively cheaply, given what we know he can do. It's a 103.7 in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team and a 106.9 in Supercoach as his average points. And he's priced just over 580000 in Supercoach, 922000 in AFL Fantasy and just shy of 885000 in Dream Team. And look, if you are a long-time coaches panel man, um, or girl, you would definitely know of my love of Josh Kelly. He is one of my boys. And despite the rocky start last year, like a true romantic comedy, I suppose, Rids, and I'm sure your partner makes you watch them too, is it all lived happily ever in the after when it came to Josh Kelly last year? Well, surprisingly, he was actually in the top 20 across the board in the mids. Like, yeah. And that was in Supercoach and the whole lot from average so he's priced around the 20th like in both all the four pats that's that's staggering considering how poor he was in that first i don't know what do you reckon half a dozen is the, the first games? the first six weeks um he, he actually in afl fantasy and coaches that play that format will be very familiar he gained forward eligibility and became a mid forward in that format because champion data said he was actually a mid forward and spending so much time through that forward rotation. And so for those first six weeks, he was a shadow of himself in contrast to what he did for the rest of the year, let alone the rest of his entire AFL career. Okay. So let's, let's talk why he was playing that role. Why was he playing weeks. that high half forward role Rids? Lockie Whitfield. 100%. It's direct correlation. Lockie Whitfield. 
Lockie Whitfield fit and in that team means Josh Kelly plays midfield. Yep. When Lockie Whitfield is not fit and in that team, that means Josh Kelly, who's the most um, suited replacement to play the Lockie Whitfield role, yep. whether it's forward, whether it's back, however it is out on the wing, that's that's directly what it is. That's yep. I couldn't be any more um, blunt about it. No. So when you're going to go for Josh Kelly, you have to have a direct eyesight, eye line on Lockie Whitfield. Is he in the team? Is he fit? Has he had a good preseason? Because that's when you will go and you'll get the best Josh Kelly. Yeah, that, that is 100% right. What he did average in the first six weeks without Lockie Whitfield was an 85 in AFL Fantasy and a 90 in Supercoach. He didn't register a score over 100 in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team. And his top score in Supercoach was 100. His only ton. However... Whitfield comes back into that side in round seven against the Adelaide Crows. And what happens from that point onwards? Well, in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team, he averaged 111, scoring 12 tons, three over 120. So maybe not the ceiling that we'd hoped as much from him, but when he hits a ceiling game, he's got a ceiling game. It was a 152 and a 141 from these final 15 games and just the one score below 96. Similarly in Supercoach, from round seven onwards, Whitfield's back in that side, 12 tons, six over 120, and he averaged 113 and included a run of 10 consecutive tons from round seven to 17. The last 15 games this year, is really reflective of what he's done ever since 2017. Because for the past five years, this is what he's averaged across the formats. In AFL Fantasy, 113, 108, 116, an adjusted average of 106, and then last year's 104. Scoring line's even better in Supercoach. 113, 113, 117, 114, and now the more recent 107. We've got a guy, Rids, and we'll talk about some of the previous question marks and potential future ones in a moment. But we're talking about a player who's priced at, a, at about 105 across the formats, a little bit less in AFL Fantasy, a little bit more in Supercoach, who's got proven potential of 10 points per game of value and is one of the most reliable and consistent performers when he's out on the field. Now, I remember talking to you about this last year mm. and of probably the last two or three years. If you like Josh Kelly and you're going to pick Josh Kelly, you pick him from round one. 100%. Okay. He's got a little bit of value in his price point anyway with his starting price compared to what he could average. Now, on top of that, his durability, that's one of the major concerns with Josh Kelly over the last four or five years Correct. is his durability. But, I mean, if you're upgrading to him, that's only going to increase the risk of that being in, coming into play. Yeah. He is absolutely priced to start and you started from round one and you kill that risk of the yes. durability moving forward. So, Argu I mean... Arguably, you, you could even build a case too, Rids, that maybe that injury-prone concern, well, sure, from a legacy perspective, is there. He only missed the one game last year because of a five-day turnaround of the Giants and he hurt his ankle in, in late in that game. Um, there were a bunch of different games where, you, you know, owners were like, oh, this is the game. They see the head knock. They see the, him go off limping. It's like, oh, this is the game. Here comes the trade. 
but he just found a way to push through. He was fit. He was dominating through all preseason last year. And had it not been for a COVID-affected round adjustment where it's like, oh, man, we've got to turn these games around fast, the club itself even said, had it been a six-day or a seven-day break, Josh would have played. So, so is that durability concern as the reason for not starting him? Because I agree with your point of if you like him, start him because there's value and you eliminate that legacy risk. But if the only reason you've been anti-Josh Kelly is because of the durability risk, can you use that as an argument anymore? Well, you, you can, but I don't think you can. Yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's got less water in his it. Prime. Yeah, yeah. He, he's 27 in February. He's absolutely coming into his prime. He's probably had multiple um, full pre-seasons behind him if he gets through this pre-season. Yeah. If Lockie Whitfield starts this year, he's got no other reason why he wouldn't be playing midfield. And I think with that last year or so, um, there's real um, data now showing that maybe he's got his body to a point where it is he's trust- it out. it's trustworthy, you know? So, yeah, and I think I'm not the only one. I, I, I 100% think you will be too. This guy's got 120 season across the any format. It feels like a matter of time, doesn't it? Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, it does. And he's building, he's building. But, I mean, the thing that really strikes with me is his price, starting price, is at 10, 15 points lower than what it could be mm. or should be. I mean, I mean, I spoke yesterday in that um, pod that we um, On did lead, yeah. around on lead and saying, well, you don't want to grab these guys at high prices because magic number is at its highest point. Mm. Like this guy is a hundred percent. He could easily average 115 over multiple weeks. No question. Starting from round one and his price wouldn't drop. Like, so, I mean, I don't see him as an upgrade option. I just absolutely a hundred percent think if you like him, you start with him. That's pretty simple. I think it's really good. Look, the first five to six rounds from a draw perspective, this is who the GWS Giants Giants come up against. They have a battle of the bridge uh, against the Swans to kick off round one. Um, Round two, they come up against Richmond. Um, Round three, they come up against the Gold Coast Suns. Round four, they come up against the Fremantle Dockers. Uh, Heading into round five, they come up against the Premiers in Melbourne. And then round six, again, we could go further, but we'll just look at that first six rounds. They come up against St Kilda. So none of those are crazy challenges. And for me, I'm with you, Rids. I look at what he's done over the majority of the past five years and I go, I've got a guy who's who feels like one of the safest 110 guys. He, he does all the offensive stuff and then he actually does the defensive side of things too. And people don't rate him for that. He, he ranked 10th in the AFL last year for total tackles. 10th. So he's winning contested ball. He's winning uncontested ball. He was 20th in the league last year for meters gain, top 15 for inside 50s. And he's doing the hard defensive stuff. There's this misnomer about Kelly that, oh, he's just just a one-way midfielder. Absolutely not. He is one of the most complete midfielders in the game. He uses it well, which is really critical for super coaches, but also for dream team and fantasy players. What makes it so good is, where they've got the bulls of Taranto, Hopper, Green, if he can find his way in there amongst others, let alone if a Cornelio is fit. 
They want Kelly bringing the ball inside forward 50 along with a Lockie Whitfield. He wins the offensive ball in a contested and in open situations. He does the defensive stuff. He offers value in your starting price point. He's got five years of data to prove he's around the 110 to 115 marker across all the formats. He's unique. And for me, I just look at all those things and go, if you want a potential captain option most weeks, if you want, even though it didn't have a great ceiling last year in contrast to others, in terms of frequent 120s, if you want a guy that's really near impossible to tag and he's unique, then Kelly feels like he fits the bill. I know some would look at the, the GWS role roundabout last year, and, and maybe that's some concern given his ability to be the beast is linked to Whitfield because they did make a lot of changes last year. Taranto spent time forward. Cornelio spent time forward. Ash, who's a running defender, spent time as a defensive midfielder. Perryman played under every single crevice of the ground. They even played their intercepting defender, Nick Haynes, up on the wing early last year. So I, so I get that there's some role concern, but to your point, Rids, that you made, if Kelly's fit, he's a beast. And if Whitfield is fit and firing too, then any sense of concern you have about Josh Kelly needs to go out the window. And I think you struck something just a minute ago. The fact is his ceiling wasn't totally on point last year no, at all. It wasn't. He had two decent games. But, I mean, he averaged 107 and he had the first six games where he was down. He averaged 107 in Supercoach and 103, 104 in Dream Team and AFL Fantasy. Mm. What can this guy actually average if he is going to have one of those seasons? Like, if he goes and averages 30 possessions a game and kicks the odd goal here and there, I mean, where, Eddie, I mean, you said it a minute ago, his work rate's massive. He was yeah. tackling, he's doing everything that people, or well, fantasy coaches want their players to do. I mean, he can play that outside chip and mark yes. type of game. He can go in and win hard contested balls. He starts in at the centre square. He pushes out to a wing. He goes forward and he kicks goals. I mean, I just don't see... I mean, you know I'm a fan. Yes, so, we both are, yes. Yeah, but I just don't see why this guy isn't absolutely a discussion point to start with moving yeah. forward. If you want you know, to... at any point in time, yeah. If he averages 120 over six games of rounds of football, I mean, I don't think that's a surprise to anyone, is it? I don't think. It... Let's go back to 2019. I, I want to remove 2020 because there's so many variables in that year. AFL fantasy and dream team coaches, you might be playing the adjusted averages, and that's not fair to do that. And super coach, the impact you had on a game was more condensed. So some of the scoring is a little more um, and more fluid than maybe it would have been in certain games. Go back to the first 11 games of his 2019 season to see what he can be. Here's his AFL fantasy and dream team scores. There's some ceiling in here, ladies and gentlemen. 100, 114, 106, 113, 115, 120, 135, 140, 128, 148, and 120. Yeah, that's not bad. Let's look at Supercoach. 95, 114, 97, 116, 154, 131, 148, 138, 107, 128, 104. What are we doing? We've got a guy who's at 105 range 
who is a legacy 115 player. The injury concerns are now gone. And nobody owns him. Nobody talks about him. Yeah, there's some good midfielder options around and cheaper and above. Absolutely there are. But for me, I keep finding myself looking back at Josh Kelly going, I can't, I can't pick Mills over him. I can't pick Laird over him. And then even some of the other big boys, I go, man, he could match or better a Walsh. He could match or better a Clayton Oliver. He could match or better a Zach Merritt. Maybe at the value, I take the Josh Kelly. Yeah, but I mean, when I think of Josh Kelly, I think of Jackson McRae, I think of Sam Walsh, I think of Tuke Miller, you know, mm. those gut-running types. Yeah. Um, he absolutely is in that category. Like, so, I mean, if those guys can average, you know, 120 a season, then I don't think he's out of the ballpark. Like, now, if you're looking for injuries, the reason why these guys are cheaper or... Mm. Uh, like their starting price is a little bit lower than the other guys is because they have had injuries. Like yeah, that's just the reality of it. Like so, let's with you now. Let's do the flip one now. Let's have an argument now. Okay. How many GWS guys is too many? We're well, looking at Whitfield. Yep. We're looking at Taranto. We're looking yep. at Canelio. Yep. We're looking at Cruz. Yep. <laughs> like, how many can we squeeze in here, MJ? Uh, like, I think that's the hard so, part. Is there's only so, so much I mean, ball to go around, isn't there? Well, yeah. So does that mean Canelio in this instance, okay, is be a must-have in Dream Team, not so much AFL Fantasy because no. he's probably a little bit pricier. Yep. But is he a more of a must-have in Dream Team? So does that mean Taranto, though, with Green out early, is he an upgrade option? Yeah. Is he a starter option? Is Whitfield, his durability is just as much questionable, if not more, than what mm. Kelly's is. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, at the end of the day, proofs. I mean, have we even seen this guy play more than two games of football in a season? No, like, not at the elite level, no. <laughs> like, at his price tag, yeah, by all means, jump on. But the fact is, like, I actually think there's more questions around guys in his same team that. Mm. Instead of Kelly, I think Kelly actually 100% should be in that discussion as one of the first picks from the Giants. Yeah. So, anyways, I just wanted to throw it out there because I know that's where people are going to get hung up. How many Giants? How many this? How many that? Yeah. Injuries, durabilities, la da da, burn. I mean, they've got never again lists, don't they? <laughs> people out there they do yes like Which... i'm sure kelly features very high on a few of those never again lists absolutely but the reality i reckon jack zebel features on them i reckon aaron hall featured on them there was yep. quite a few guys from 2021 who have were featuring on never again lists that you know burnt you if you didn't start them yep no i i think that's true look kelly is a, a phenomenal footballer Will people start him based on his ownership percentages at the moment? AFL Fantasy is the only format that's open to the public at the moment. The other formats, if you've played, paid for assistant coach or, or, or whatever the name is or gold subscribers or anything like that, um, those ownership percentages aren't as publicly known. But if we look at Josh Kelly and 
what his current ownership percentage is in AFL Fanny. It's just a guide. It's 3.3%. The question mark that people will always ponder um, that maybe for another episode we'll get to is, at what point does a player's ownership percentage mean you have to change your strategy or change the player you pick, either to go against or to go after? and go and get that that is going to be an interesting one for me kelly's right in the wheel bag of starting across the formats he's fighting with a couple but gosh he's right in consideration for me what about for you rids yeah he has to be mate because at the end of the day you always start guys that represent value yes you have to okay so whether you go to a Matt Crouch type or whether mm. you go to, like, if you go to the forwards and you look at Josh Dunkley or if you look at Mitch Duncan or, you know, you're always looking for value, okay? Yes. Lockie Whitfield in the backs, Jake Lloyd in the backs. Whoever it is, you're always looking for value. Now, the problem that you've got is you've got two absolute um, guns in the midfield that are going to be absolutely max priced, okay? Yep. So... But even Brody Grundy in the rucks, value. value. You're looking at Cruz, value. Yeah. Rock, O'Brien, value. So Josh Kelly is value. I don't know how else to say this. Yep. Like, if you're not looking at Josh Kelly, you're playing the game wrong. Yep. Like, if he's not in that conversation, you know what he's done. You know he's got history. You know, and again, People might come to me and say, yeah, he's got history of injury too. Yeah, that's great. No yep, drama. That's why you start. But the thing is, we've got to take it on face value. That's why he is cheap. Like, he is a gun. There's no problems about that, yeah? Yeah. Like, this guy could go 115 to 120 at any stage, like in any season, at across any format. That's what he's going to do. If 100%. Giants improve. And I think they will. I think mm-hmm. they'll play good football and yep. I think they'll actually compete again. He has to be in the best two or three options going across in the midfield again. Like, yep. you might have a guy that's averaged, like, priced at 105. Mm-hmm. That's got the capability and possibility of going 120. Yep. Like, you just have to, have to, have to go with those guys. And I just want to throw one thing out there. If people are worried about this guy's durability and his injury history, are you starting Josh Dunkley? Are you starting Aaron Hall, Lockie Whitfield? Well, like, like are, are we picking and choosing when to use these excuses? Correct. And these, yeah. like, you can't pick and choose. If you're going to have it, you have it for everyone. One for you know, I don't want to see a Proust in your team. I don't want to see a Dunkley. I don't want to hear the arguments. Zach Butters, yep. another one. Yep. Like, I mean, these guys all have injuries. <laughs> like, it's part of the game. 100%. Just move on. Start with them, minimize the risk, bank the games. And then if you miss, if you have to trade them, sure. Um, I'm oh, with you. Yeah, Jay, that's part of the game. Yep. If you get an injury in the game, you trade them. But, but we're going to get so many injuries this year or COVID impacts where things, that, like, like, again, we'll get to that podcast, you know, later down the track, uh, but it's going to be a really challenging year to navigate. 
And so for me... But that's why guys yeah. like Laird and Mills and everyone else yeah. are going to be so important because they don't miss games of football outside Correct. of... Like, these are the types that you're going to have to maximise. And if you get a good five weeks out of these guys and if they Take get it. injured, guess what? Move You've on. already jumped in the rankings. Bank of points. Make the trade and move on. Yeah. No, I think it's like, some good advice. That's just the way it needs to happen. Yeah, some good advice, man. All right, before we wrap up this episode, we always love to talk about drafts. And on draft day, gosh, a coach could get some serious early draft value with Josh Kelly. As we've discussed throughout this article, the reality is, and, and throughout the podcast as well, you can check the article out at coachespanel.tv. He, he's a legacy 110, 115 player, no question marks. Someone's going to get him as an M2, possibly even an M3, depending on their draft. Um, maybe if they draft heavy on alternate positions, they go as him as an M1. Um, I don't see him going inside the first 20 picks or the first two rounds, Rids. But in that third round, maybe even fourth, depending on how people go heavy in the other positions. Man, if he's there in the fourth round of a draft, I, I won't be able to hit that draft now button quick enough because he's got the potential. And I mean this in all seriousness to be a top three or four performing midfielder for the year. And you'll get him in the third or fourth rounds of a draft. So I said yesterday in one of the um, pods that I The lead you said was you'd be happy to pick in the second, I think it was, or, mid, you know, somewhere I'd in the I'd be happy to pick in the second. Yeah. Only because of his consistency and his durability. That's yes. where I hold high, high, high values in draft leagues. Yes. Kelly... I'm sort of thinking I would be the same to jump in at round two mm. only because I know his potential, okay? Yes. We're talking about getting a top five mid for the season. Potentially, yeah. You know, late. I don't think he goes again until round three, round four. And yeah. I think if you get him at round three, round four, you That's jump awesome. on board. You And again, it's something we talk about when we talk about drafting all the time, is you protect your pick with your next pick. And so if, if depending on who you've selected, you've gone heavy mids and a couple of them have some concerns with um, durability, then draft an extra mid in, in a few rounds earlier than you normally would. Each pick protects and supports the other pick. So I, I'm with you. I, I'm probably not, ha- um, I won't have to worry about him in the first two rounds. I don't see anyone jumping at that point. Um, but round three, um, I will happily click draft now. And if by some sheer bit of luck, he's in the fourth, um, you feel like you've won draft day with Josh Kelly at that point. He, he is an absolute sensational pick. Hey, Rids, uh, appreciate you jumping on board for this episode again, my friend. And you know what, mate? One of these years, we're going to be right about Josh Kelly and he's going to average 120. Mate, a, blo- a broken <laughs> clock is right twice a day. So if we keep saying it, eventually he'll average 120. You're right. <laughs> All right. Well, if you want to go and check out the article on him or any of the other players revealed so far in the 50 Most Relevant, all the links are at coachespanel.tv. It's also where you can become a Patreon supporter. If you're loving the podcasts and the articles you're getting from us so far this year or over the past couple of years, we'd appreciate your support. It helps us all do exactly what we do, which is bring you some of the best fantasy footy content going around. You can join all the Patreon links and tiers are at coachespanel.tv. I hope you're enjoying these podcasts. These are one of the early rewards that our Patreons get. Um, All the links for that, like I said, at coachespanel.tv. 
Well, we're five players in so far in the 50 most relevant. O'Brien, Mills, Millera, Laird, and Kelly. There's a couple of big potential premium midfielders in that group. There's a potential top two ruck in that group and maybe one of the best value defenders rolling around. But are there better value defenders than Wayne Miller? Well, tomorrow, that's the line we head, value defenders. But he might not just be a value defender. He might be good enough to be a premium hold for the year. Who is this guy at number 45? We'll tell you tomorrow on the 50 Most Relevant. (laughs) 